Good morning. I'm Sarah, if you don't know me. And in a moment, we're just going to um, pause and just uh, have a time of communion together, which is taking some time to remember what Jesus did when he went to the cross. If there's something that I've learned over my time being a Christian, which is a lot of my life, I'll be honest, but I've learned a little something about the character of God. He's never let us down, ever. His promises, they're good and perfect and they're true. There's a, there's a scripture in Psalms 116, and I'm just going to read a couple of little bits of it. In this person, they hadn't had things easy, but they said this to God, as long as I live, I'll keep praying to him, for he stoops down to listen to my heart's cry. He was so kind, so gracious to me. Because, because of his passion toward, toward me, he made everything right, and he restored me. So I've learned from my experience that God protects the childlike and humble ones. For I was broken and brought low, but he answered me and came to my rescue. Now I can say to myself and to all, relax and rest. Be confident and serene, for the Lord rewards fully those who simply trust in him. You might relate to the author, and if you go and read that chapter some more, you'll see that there's been some rough times, death and sorrow. But God, he's so kind and gracious. He's so passionate about us. He answers us when we call. He rescued us, strengthened us. He can relax and rest. We can have confidence because of who God is. He's given us so much. And what can we give back to God? Later on in the same psalm, it says, I will lift up his cup of salvation and praise him extravagantly for all that he's done for me. And that's what we're doing here. This bread and this juice that we're about to have it represents his salvation, which was when he went to the cross, it was his exchange of his good and perfect life for everything we've ever done wrong, our shame and our imperfections. Because he's so good. His promises are good. He will never let you down. So we're just going to take communion in a moment. There's going to be some stations at the front and the back, which you can go and help yourself. Don't be obliged. If it's not something that you're comfortable with, don't feel like you have to do it. This is just a real personal thing where we're praising God extravagantly. This is our expression of love and gratefulness back to him. So I'm just going to pray and then you can come and take it in your own time. God, we just praise you extravagantly out of our gratitude for what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us so passionately, that your promises, that they're good and true. We thank you for the, all that you've done for us when you gave yourself for our salvation. Amen.
Hey, um, so good to be here celebrating Easter with everyone this morning. As um, Samantha said, my name's also Sam, and um, yeah, really hope to meet you today if I haven't met you yet. Um, just got a question to, to start us off with today. Who here already ate chocolate before they arrived here this morning? Anyone here? Yeah, I thought, I thought you would have, Andy. <laughs> um, hey, I probably would have joined you, but um, my father-in-law who's here this morning has been eating my Easter eggs. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, got, I got given a pack earlier in the week, and every single day that pack's been getting a little bit smaller, and I haven't eaten one. And I saw them this morning, and it was pretty much all gone, and I thought, man, I better save at least one for this afternoon. Um, but hey, if you're, if you're just joining us here today, last week we started a series called I Hear the Sound of Freedom. And this series is all about us walking in a new lease of freedom, a new level of freedom. We believe that Jesus came to give us like a a full life, a free life, a life free in our emotions, a life free in our mental health, a life free in our relationships. And over this series, we're going to be looking at a variety of different areas of freedom. Last week, we talked about freedom from religion, freedom from like a religious way of approaching God, freedom from having to approach God on how well we're performing, but freedom to actually just receive what Jesus has done for us and approach God that way. And this week, um, I've said it before, I'm not the most creative person, Uh, we're going to be talking about freedom in the resurrection, freedom in the resurrection. And uh, this week, obviously, I've been reflecting on Easter. I've been reflecting on Easter, and I have to admit, probably the first, well, one of the first things I think about when I think about Easter is chocolate, is chocolate. Obviously, the death and resurrection of Jesus is pretty up there, but uh, chocolate is pretty high too. I I love chocolate. I love Easter eggs. I love all the different types of Easter eggs. I like the little Cadbury cream eggs. I like the the hollow eggs, the the big eggs, the small eggs, and we grew up doing all of those, like, those traditional Easter things. We grew up doing the, the classic, Easter egg hunt. Uh, On Easter Sunday, Dad would be out in the backyard hiding the eggs, and they would sort of be hidden, like, based on age level, so there were the really easy eggs to find that kind of weren't even hidden. They were just kind of next to a tree or something. Those were for my youngest brother, and then we had the slightly harder eggs to find, and we were always told, don't go and find Nico's eggs, and I think we probably did find a few of those, but... uh, I used to grow up loving Easter. One of the highlights of Easter was going to my granddad's place because we knew without doubt every year granddad would get us the biggest egg. Every single year he'd get us one of those eggs that had like an egg and a chocolate bar in it. Like it had an egg and the morrow and then something inside the egg and mum used to hate it but (laughs) grandparents can do that. I loved Easter and Easter always used to be this time of waiting for us because in our family we weren't allowed to eat any of our Easter eggs until Sunday. And like as a kid, the worst was when you got your Easter eggs in advance and you'd be watching them and looking at them and you'd know that you had to wait to Sunday. And so for me, when I think about Easter, it always brings back these memories of the Easter egg. It brings back memories of eating Easter eggs. And growing up, I never really stopped to think about what does the Easter egg resemble? It never really crossed my mind. I just enjoyed eating them. But as I got a bit older, I I realized that the Easter egg resembles the resurrection of Jesus, that just as a chick springs forth from an egg, um, the, the, the Easter egg re- resembles when Jesus died on the cross, when he was in the tomb, and when he would emerge from the tomb like the chick. And uh, I've been thinking this week about just how significant that resurrection was. You know, the resurrection of Jesus, is, is, it's like the foundation of the Christian faith, that there is no Christian faith without the resurrection. In fact, it's like one of the most uh, amazing days in history, that literally time itself 
is divided by the resurrection of Jesus, that we have AD and BC based on the resurrection of Jesus, that prior to the resurrection of Jesus, there were 11 disgruntled followers in the, in the Christian faith. And then after that today, there are 2.4 billion people on this planet that identify with the Christian faith, that claim to be followers of Christ, all as a result of the resurrection. That's bigger than China. That's bigger than China and Europe and America put together. It is massive, and it's all a result of the resurrection. One in every three people would choose to identify as a follower of Jesus based on what he accomplished on that day. And it's amazing how that resurrection, what happened on that resurrection, how from that first day it's transformed his followers. From that first day, you see, there were 11 disgruntled followers of Jesus. They were heartbroken. They were dejected. They were fearful. They had left him at his time of most need. And following the resurrection, he would transform these men into courageous, bold men that would go out and change the world around them. That the resurrection transforms people. That good news transforms people. And we see that these 11 followers of Jesus, they would have a completely new lease on life. That they would live with a freedom that wasn't available to them beforehand. And I really believe that God wants each of us to live with this same level of freedom. And so today I want to talk about uh, three things that I believe the resurrection gives us freedom from. The first thing that the resurrection gives us freedom from is freedom from our past. Freedom from our past. You know, everyone here today, we we all have a past. We've all uh, made mistakes in our past. We've all made decisions that we wish we could go back and change. We've all um, hurt people. We've all said things that we wish we hadn't have said. And and with that, the the past, it it can carry a sense of like shame. It can carry a sense of of guilt. It can carry a sense of I wish I hadn't have done that. It it can carry, we can carry that with us. But the fact is, is that God loves you and loves me so much that he doesn't want us to be defined by our past. He doesn't want us to be defined by our yesterday. He doesn't want us to be defined by poor choices. He doesn't want us to be defined by what might have happened to us. He doesn't want us to be defined by like the emotions that that embody our past, but he wants us to be free from that. And that's the Easter story that when Jesus died on the cross, that he, he took the punishment for every sin, every shortcoming, anything in our past that would ever create a separation from God, he took that on his body that he nailed that to the cross and that when we put our faith in him, we are completely free from our past. I love what it says in Ephesians 1.7. It says this, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. That in Jesus we are completely forgiven. Completely forgiven. I love that it says he purchased our freedom. He purchased our freedom. He paid for it. It's settled. It's final. It's not conditional. It's not like on higher purchase. It's not a loan. It's not something we have and then we lose. It's, it's settled. It's been paid for. And that provides freedom because we don't have to live the past anymore. The past has been dealt with. And I just reckon that's such good news. But the amazing thing about the Easter story is it doesn't just stop there. That's the Easter Friday experience, that Easter Friday was when Jesus, out of his great love for us, out of his great love for you, out of his great love for me, would hang on that cross. While we were at our worst, he would hang on that cross in love and he would pay for those sins without any guarantee of us coming back to him. That was Easter Friday. But Easter Sunday, it didn't just stop there. He would rise again, that he would rise to new life. He wouldn't just die, but he would conquer death itself and he would be risen again. And in that too, we have hope that we will be raised to life that it says that when we put our faith in him, our spirits, like the core of who we are, which once was distant from God, based on what we had done, that that it's reunited with God, 
that, that we're made new on the inside and we're connected with him and he gives us like a new nature and a new identity and we're more than just forgiven, but we actually become new and we actually become transformed. A scripture that I shared last week in 2 Corinthians, it says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Not just forgiven from the past, but completely free. Not just forgiven, but completely transformed. Not just forgiven, but completely changed, completely new. Seen in a completely different light with a new identity. And I think about the example of Peter, who was one of those original 11 followers that I talked about. He was one of Jesus' closest followers. And before Jesus would go and die on the cross, he would, he would tell his disciples, look, at my time of most need, you, you are all going to desert me. You're going to flee from me. And Peter said, far be it from me. If everyone else does, I won't desert you. I would rather die than desert you. I will not desert you. And it says that Peter would, would reject Jesus when, it, when push came to shove. He would reject him three separate times. And on that third time, he, he would come to the realization that he had rejected him. And it said he'd be like pierced to his heart. That he'd weep bitterly and he would flee in shame. And you can imagine how broken and how guilty and how full of shame and how dejected Peter would have been. But it says that when Jesus rose from the dead, he went and found Peter. He went and found Peter and he forgave Peter, but he didn't just forgive him, he reinstated him. He reinstated him to being the person that he called him to be from the beginning. And Peter would be completely transformed, he would be completely changed. And I believe God wants to do the same in our lives. He wants us more than just forgiven, he wants us free. The second thing the resurrection gives us freedom from is freedom from the power of sin. This quote by R.C. Sprout is really profound. It says this, it says, We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Now, sin is a universal problem. It's just the, the, the word sin, it just means to miss the mark. It means to fall short. It means to, to not get it right. It means to, to fall short of the standard that we were designed to live by. It means to, to cause harm, to, to cause hurt, to, to, to not do the things that we know we should do and miss the things that we want to do. And it's a, it's a universal problem. It's something that every human being can identify with. You know, it's said like this, that the, the heart of the human condition is the condition of the human heart, that there's this fallen nature, there's this broken nature, and, and we're told in the Bible that, that that dates back right to the very first human that was created, that as a result of, of his choice to, to turn from God and to rebel from God, that, that he would take on this broken nature, and every person that would be born into the world after him would have the same issue, the same brokenness, the same problem that causes hurt in the world, the same problem that just causes so much pain and um, you know and and without Jesus we, we don't have the ability to get free from that on, on our own you know like you, you might have found that man I just want to live a different life I want to get out of these habits I, I know what I want to do but there's a, there's this inability to actually make the change but the thing is is that when Jesus died on the cross he broke that power of sin and he gave us the ability to live a new life this is what it says in, in Romans 6. It says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. That when Christ hung on that cross and we put our faith in him, that our old broken nature was actually crucified with him. And when he rose again, like we, we rose again in our spirits and we now have this ability that we didn't have beforehand, that we now have an ability to live out the life that God designed us to live. 
free, free from the power of sin. And one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is Ephesians 2.10. It says this, it says, For you are God's masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece, that, that you and me, we are God's masterpiece, that you are not here by accident, that God dreamt of you, that he purposed you, that he created you, that you are his handiwork, you are the poetry of heaven, you're molded by his hands, you are his masterpiece, you're cherished in his eyes, and it says we, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus, that he loves you and he loves me so much that he didn't want to leave us in that broken state. He didn't want to leave us in that fallen nature, but he said, this is my masterpiece. I'm going to create them completely brand new. And, and the final part of that verse, it says, so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You know, there is a purpose and a plan for your life, for my life. There's a life of significance. There's a life of love. There's a life of hope and of joy. And, and Jesus loves you so much. God loves you so much that he would create you and you in Christ so that you could live that out. The resurrection gives us freedom from the power of sin. The third thing the resurrection gives us freedom from is the fear of death, is the fear of death. You know, the fear of death is a universal phenomenon. It doesn't matter what country you go to. It doesn't matter what culture you go to. It doesn't matter what people group you see, that, that the, universal of death is, or the, the fear of death is a universal phenomenon, that everyone has those burning questions of where am I going when I die? What happens to me when I pass from this world? What, what is my destination after I, leave th after I leave this world? It says in the book of Ecclesiastes that God um, puts eternity in the human heart, that it might be buried under some stuff, but deep down we all have this knowledge that there's more to life than 80 years. There's more to life. There's a greater purpose to life than just being here at chance for 80 years, that there are eternal destinations, that we are going somewhere when we part from this world and the, the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope because he rose from the dead and it says in the Bible that when we put our faith in him, we too will not perish, but we will rise from the dead. That there's a hope that endures beyond this life. And when we look back in history, we see how this, like, this freedom from the fear of death, we see how this transformed the early followers of Jesus. That for the first 300 years of Christianity, uh, the church was heavily persecuted. Under the Roman Empire, becoming a Christian, you would literally be signing a death warrant. They would be burnt at the stake. They would be lit up like torches. They would be tortured. They would be ostracized from society. But you know what? They gave their entire lives to the gospel of Jesus because they knew it was true. They knew that he had risen from the dead. They knew he was the hope of the world. And they knew that although they may, may leave, leave, lose this life, that they were living for an eternity. And it completely transformed them. I love what... Um, the Apostle Paul, a, a person just known for his endurance, what he would say in Philippians 1.21. He says this, he says, For me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Living means living for the one that gave everything for me. Living means living for the one that chose me. Living means living out my purpose for the one that designed me. And if I die, it's even better. Because he knew where he was going. He knew his destination. This is what Jesus said to his followers in John 14. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everyone is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am.
You know, Jesus prepares a place for his followers, that he prepares a place in eternity for his followers, that there is a certainty in your eternity when you put your faith in Jesus. And you know what? Heaven is not like those uh, cartoons we see where everyone's floating around in the clouds, playing the harp, and then Cupid's kind of there shooting some arrows, and it's in black and white. <laughs> that, that sounds like hell to me. <laughs> but uh, heaven is a place of perfection. There is no pain in heaven. There is no sorrow in heaven. There is no heartbreak in heaven, and it's not tainted by any evil. It is a place of perfection. It is, it is, it is colorful. God is, God is a God of color and light. It is multi-dimensional. Heaven is a place of paradise. It's better than we can imagine. And there's a, there's a certainty of hope that when you put your faith in Jesus that he's prepared a place for you there. If I could just have the worship team back up. You know, the resurrection of Jesus, it gives us freedom from the past. It gives us freedom from the past. It gives us a new start. It makes us new. It gives us freedom from the power of sin. It gives us an ability to actually live the life that God created us to live the life that deep down we want to live, the, the change that we want to make. And the, the resurrection of Jesus, it gives us freedom from the fear of death. It gives us the f- freedom from the fear of where am I going tomorrow. But the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus, it also calls us into a response. It calls us into a response. And how do we respond? What do we do in response to all Jesus has done for us? What do we do with this freedom that he's given us? And I think part of that can be found in the, the story of, of Mer- the two Marys. They were the Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James. They were the first two people uh, to see Jesus after his death. And we read in the scriptures that early on Easter Sunday morning, they would arise and they would go there to anoint his body with spices. They would go to the tomb. And it says that on the way, they would be talking with each other, saying, how are we going to move back that giant rock? that's in front of the tomb, and, and it says that when they got there, that rock was already removed, that that rock had been rolled out of the way, and there was a mighty angel of God waiting there for them, and he said, the person you seek is not here, for he is risen, for he is risen. Go and tell the others this message, and he will await for you at Galilee. And we read in the scripture how they responded. This is what it says. It says, the woman ran quickly from the tomb, They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grabbed his feet, and worshipped him. They ran to him, grabbed his feet, and worshipped him. The resurrection of Jesus, it should cause us to worship him. It should cause us to, to well up with thanksgiving. It should cause us to to praise Him. It should cause us to magnify Him. It should cause us to be thankful. It should cause us to want to give our entire lives for Him. And it also says that they ran quickly to share the message with others. Love God, love people, share the good news. That is our response. Love God, love people, share the message of amazing grace. If we could all stand to our feet. Maybe you're, you're here this morning and, and maybe this is the first time you've heard this message or maybe you've heard it, heard it a lot of times, but maybe you've never made a decision in your heart to follow Jesus. I really believe that you're not here by chance. 
I believe God loves you. I believe he's chosen you. I believe he's got an awesome plan for your life. And I believe he wants to unite you back to himself through Jesus. I believe freedom from those three things that I talked about today are only found in Jesus Christ. Freedom from the past, freedom from the power of sin, and freedom to have an eternal hope. Now, in the Bible, it says that everyone has fallen short. Everyone carries this brokenness, that we don't even meet our own standards. So how could we meet the standard of a glorious God? And that without Jesus, there is no hope. There is no eternal hope. That, that we believe that there are two destinations, that there is a heaven and there's a hell. And it's only through faith in Christ that we have a hope once we live this, leave this world. And I really want to give you an opportunity today to put your faith in Jesus if you haven't done that. I believe he's done everything in his power to make a way for you. That there's a loving father with his arms wide open saying, son, daughter, come home. I love you. I want the best for you. I want to transform and change your life now. And I want to give you an eternal hope. And so in a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us all in a prayer. And if that's you this morning, I want you to pray that prayer from your heart from you to God. Or maybe you're here and, and you made that decision a long time ago, but you've walked away from that decision. This is a moment to, to reaffirm your commitment and love for Jesus. So if you want to make that decision today, pray with me and we'll all pray this together. Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you chose me. Thank you that you hung on that cross for me. Thank you that you love me. Today, Lord, I choose you. I turn from my old life and I turn towards you. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.